Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week, and I'm Tom Barton. That's right, we are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter is how you get a part of the show. It's Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, or hashtag S-G-N gets our attention. It's 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, iHeart, iTunes, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. You guys can check us out there and sportsgarden.com. Guys, I'm going to be a little under the weather today. Look, it's from screaming so much, from winning so much money last week, but you're going to have to bear with me so I won't be my usual screaming, energetic flip-outs. All right, I probably will be, but my voice will crack during it like, like I'm going through puberty. We'll see. Let's get right into the wild card games. All right. And the first one up, Colts at Bills. This is a good game, and it's a good game between two teams that aren't happy to be here. Neither one of these teams are happy to be here. They're both really set on bigger and better things. Now, the Bills, they've won 13 straight games when they're favored by seven or more points. That's pretty good. Now, they're 9-4 against the spread in that span. Not the best, but it's still very good. And we know that the Bills were 11-5 against the spread during the regular season. It's best mark in the NFL. Colts, eh, they're right in the middle. 8-8, eight eight, exactly in the middle. A lot of this is going to be on Josh Allen and who he really is. Josh Allen, first player in NFL history with at least 4,500 passing yards, 35 touchdown passes, and five rushing touchdowns in a single season. Remarkable. To me, he should be the MVP. I always give it to Mahomes. As long as Patrick Mahomes laces up cleats, I think I'm going to go to Patrick Mahomes. But to me, Josh Allen is right there, and what he's done this year deserves all kinds of recognition. Josh Allen has more touchdown passes to different people, 13 different people, than Sam Donald had touchdown passes all year at nine, right? The Bills, by the way, we talked about how they cover, how they're really good at covering. 15-1 and one if you use them this year on six-point teasers. Now, you know what? I don't like teasers, but I want to throw that out there. The weather in Buffalo, it's going to be about 28 degrees this weekend. I don't think that's a major advantage, but it's something to pay attention to, something to keep in mind. And Buffalo, in Buffalo, during the playoffs, 9-1 and one all time. Now, how much does the Jim Kelly years matter? I don't think a lot, but I want to throw that out there. The Colts defense, let's talk about it. And and this is a defense that was early on being ranked in number one, two spot. And I said, guys, I don't see them as a top five defense. I think they're kind of inside the top 10, but not top five. Then they started to regress pretty mightily, and people started bashing them. I said, no, 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 no. They're still in that top 10 range, and that's where I feel about them today, okay? Their run defense has been very, very good. They've allowed opponents to throw, though, for over 300 yards four times in the past five games. So this feeds into what Buffalo does, right? Buffalo can't run the ball. They don't try to run the ball at all outside of Josh Allen. They can't. Well, we'll throw. And if you're going to let us throw, we're going to throw all over you. The Colts, in the past five games, they've rushed for more than 100 yards five straight times. They've gone over 200 yards once. Jonathan Taylor just looks fantastic. And the Bills enter Week 17 tied for the fifth most yards per attempt. That's huge. So the Colts' method here is going to be run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And the Bills' method is going to be to throw it all over the place. It's a very unique, different dynamic that we're going to look at. How about Rams-Seattle? Yeah, nothing unique and dynamic. These two teams know each other, and they know them well. They split the season series this year, but that's unusual. When you're talking about the NFC West, we also often talk about coaching matchups and who owns who and who's better. Well, Sean McVay has just absolutely owned Pete Carroll. The Rams have gone 5-2 and two in the last seven games. Now, I know they split this year, okay? Back in Week 16, it was a tough game, 20-9. and nine. And there are problems coming in for Sean McVay. First of all, Jared Goff, we know about the thumb surgery. Uh, even Jared Goff at 100% is still kind of a question mark. He's the guy. Let's be honest. He's the guy that you worry about if you're a Rams fan. You're not worried about this defense, right? On the defensive side of the ball, you're, you're feeling very good. If you're a defensive-minded team here, offensively, yeah, I worry about Jared Goff. Now, John Wolford, if he has to spell him or he's got to come in, uh, John Wolford is a guy I feel confident in to an extent. I feel confident in to an extent in saying, look, he can manage the game. But you're going up against a guy like Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's 5-2 and two straight up at 6-1 against the spread in opening round of playoff games. He's fantastic. And Russell Wilson's the guy. Even though Russell Wilson, who was... 
going to set records. We talked about the you could you were able to bet on what he set the record for most passing touchdowns in a season. Uh, all this hype and everybody, no one's talking about him for MVP anymore, right? He kind of hit a wall. Same thing happened last year, but he's still Russell Wilson in the playoffs. Right, And you do also have dynamic situations where guys are getting healthy. Chris Carson's getting healthy. I'm still afraid of Metcalf and Lockett in the playoffs. So there's a lot of that. There's a lot there where you go, yeah, I don't know. One thing to mention, Rams, first matchup, the total, they won 23-16. The total ended at 39. Second matchup, 20-9. Now, Seattle is a team that everyone's going, wait a minute, their defense is so much improved. Remember, this was a historically bad defense. They were awful, right? Oh, this defense is terrible, terrible, terrible. And then now they are historically improved. Oh, my goodness. Wait a minute. Whoa. The Seattle defense is great. Jamal Adams is blitzing. He's going to have, you know, 15 sacks. Oh, oh, it's fantastic. Oh, people getting crazy about Seattle's defense. Uh, Let me just back that truck up. That was my backing truck up sound, which is awful. It's more like beep, 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 right? Okay. Seattle's defense since week 11. They faced Kyler Murray, Carson Wentz, Colt McCoy, Sam Darnold, Dwayne Haskins, Jared Goff, and C.J. Beathard. I mean, really? So, uh, and by the way, Goff left midway through. So, Kyler Murray, who also got injured, we'll throw that out. After that, Carson Wentz benched. Colt McCoy, come on. Sam Darnold, really? Dwayne Haskins benched. C.J. Beathard, a backup. That's who they faced. So let's not go crazy about all of a sudden the Seattle's defense is fixed. How about a good defense? You want to talk defense? I want to talk defense. How about Washington? Washington taking on the Bucs. The line is now past a touchdown. It's up to seven and a half. Tom Brady, remember early in the season, noodle arm Tom Brady. We had Gary Myers on to kind of address it. And Gary said, nothing's wrong with this guy's arm. I I, I agreed. I said, "I, I don't see... What other people are seeing that he can't go downfield? Well, Tom Brady ended this year with more downfield passing attempts and more downfield passing completions, more downfield passing yards than any time in his history. This is a guy that played with Randy Moss, right? And he's been absolutely on fire. Let's go back to week 15, right? Then you go back to week 15 against Atlanta, torch them. You go back to the Lions. Remember that one? How did he do against the Lions? Because they benched him at the half. Oh, yeah, that. So in the last two games, 69 of 97 for over 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns, one pick. The Bucks won those games, 109-37. Now, it's not a comparison to Atlanta, Detroit, and then this Washington team because this Washington team can get after it. Chase Young can absolutely get after it. But let's talk Brady. Brady 6-1 straight up, 5-2 against the spread on Saturday playoff games. Does that mean anything? I don't know. Not really. <laughs> right? Because then you could say, well, the Bucs haven't won a playoff game since 2002. Right? Okay. I look at the matchups here. And to me, the Bucs aren't even going to try to run the ball, which means they have to protect Brady. Chase Young and company can get after Tom Brady. I like the matchup of the Bucs offense against this defense. I like it. I think it's a fun battle. I think it's a fun two-way battle. I'm not sure who's going to win it. That's where I I really do. I think Brady has the edge, obviously. He's got more weapons. But it wouldn't shock me if Washington frustrated them all day at all, especially the kind of Washington team that often frustrates Brady are teams that don't have to blitz that can get to the quarterback, and Chase Young is that guy. With that being said, that's only one side of the ball, which will be a good battle. Good battle. It's one side of the ball. What about the other side? And this is where Washington has to scare you. Because Ron Rivera said Alex Smith could rotate in. Taylor Hankey could rotate in. He doesn't really know who exactly is going to be his quarterback. He's not sure what's going to happen here. That's a problem. That's a problem when you know Antonio Gibson was out two weeks ago. It's a problem when you know that Terry McLaren almost missed last week's game. So this team is, let's just say, less than 100%. I think that's a fair assessment of this team at less than 100%. So their offense is less than 100%, and the Bucks defense flies all over the field. You know, it's not the way that you'd normally see a defense where the defensive MVPs are all over the place, but they have two of the fastest linebackers, and now you're getting into an X's and O's. Well, what do the linebackers do best from the Bucks? Well, they're really, really fast. What are the biggest weapons that the Redskins, well, I'm sorry, the football team, employ? What do they do? 
They love getting their guys out in space. They're running back specifically out in space in McKissick and Gibson, and they like to use their tight end. Who's going to be defending McKissick, Gibson, Logan Thomas? It's going to be those really fast, really good linebackers. For Washington, offensively, it's going to be a struggle because it's just pure strength against strength. How about the Bears and Saints? This line is up to 9.5. I've seen it at 10 in spots, 10.5 even it creeped up to. Well, look, the Bears' offense has clicked. It's been looking really good. I know last week they didn't score that much. They only put up 16. Before that, they were rolling. And I think that they had a lot more, and they left it on the table last week. You can't turn the ball over. You can't have Cole commit fumbles. They have to play a perfect game to be inside this number. But the number is a big number. It's 10, right? It's 10. Now, this is going to be the 12th time since 1991 that a team has been favored by nine or more points in this round. In the other 11 games, the team went 10-1 and straight up, 9-2 and against the spread. So you Saints fans, you got to feel good because the normal theory here is double-digit underdogs cash, and they cash all the time. Well, it doesn't look like in this situation. The Saints, by the way, they've also been really good down the stretch, 7-1-1 against the spread. So they've been playing better. But I do have this feeling that people are overrating this defense. Take away the P.J. Walker game, I'm going to call it, because they took in Brad Teddy Bridgewater, who, by the way, didn't, they never throws interception in the end or threw a couple. They shut down Carolina in Week 17. All right. The three weeks before that, this defense struggled. I know they put up 52 on Minnesota, but they also allowed 33. Okay? They struggled. Now, one of the things that you could hold solace with if you're the Chicago Bears is this. Mitch Trubinsky's been playing better. And if they do get behind, Allen Robinson has been playing really well. But if, if there's a path to success here, do you believe that Matt Nagy knows it? And I'm asking this, truthfully, because Matt Nagy came out and said, against that team, talking last week, we got to score touchdowns, not field goals. Well, Nagy, know that coming into this week. And if you know that coming into this week, doesn't that make the Bears a little bit more dangerous? Knowing the mentality that Matt Nagy just expressed to everyone that they are going to be dangerous. We can't settle for three. Got to get into the end zone. The Bears might be that team that onside kicks, right? After the half, I'm talking to you, Sean Payne. They might be that team that goes for it in their own end on fourth and two. They might be that crazy wild team, which is why I have a hard time laying 10 points in this spot. I think that the Bears are also a team that isn't going to be afraid of the Saints. Oftentimes, these early rounds, especially the wild card rounds, especially with these big spreads, a lot of the game is intimidation. Well, in Week 8, with their backup quarterback, the Bears beat this team 26-23. They went into overtime against a team that they should have lost to, and they beat them. So that's my take on these games, guys. We're going to bring on some experts to talk about the other playoff games right after this on Wagering Week. Winning season returns at MyBookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. All at MyBookie. Winning season means watching live sports and betting. Live sports all season long. The NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action. Use promo code WAGERWEEK and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free bet play. Designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use the promo code WAGERWEEK and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. This is two-time Super Bowl champion Ike Taylor, and you are listening to Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get to gamble before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? 
are the odds? Well, what are the odds? We're looking at the national championship game. And the national championship game, look, this opened up at Alabama minus seven. Quickly, people ran to the book, pushed it all the way up to eight. Now, it did drop back down to seven and a half, even seven for a brief moment. But it quickly got back up to eight. DraftKings, ironically, has really not had much movement. For whatever reason, they've stayed pretty consistent at seven and a half throughout the week. Money is coming in on both sides at a pretty good clip. Alabama clearly getting a little bit more, being the favorite. So it is above that key number of seven. How about the total? It opened at 76 and a half. It has dropped down to 75. You could even find some 74 and a halves out there. If you're somebody shopping, and this is why we do this, one of the odds is very important to go shop. You're getting a full point difference where you could walk down the strip in Las Vegas on the total, and you could get a full point difference in Atlantic City on the actual game line. So that is what are the odds. Guys, look, this weekend, the wild card weekend is here. And this Sunday, this is what we're looking at. The Tennessee Titans are everyone's team. Everybody loves to watch Derrick Henry run people over, right? They're getting three points. The total is 55. It's a rematch of what we watched last year when all of a sudden Lamar Jackson's MVP season kind of fell apart. So I thought I'd bring somebody on, a very special guest, Denard Walker, host of the Believe in the Titans on the Believe Podcast Network, former NFL defensive back. You guys knew he played with the Oilers. Yeah, there was a team. The Oilers and the Titans. And he starred in the Super Bowl for the Tennessee Titans, who came up just short. I won't bring that up, though. Denard, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I uh, deeply appreciate it. I, I'd love to have you on, man. I will tell you, I look at this Titans team, and I go, they are built so well in some areas, and then there's just giant gaps in other areas. So I want to talk to you about it. Because... They look like they've had the Ravens number. They look like from last year's playoff game, they've had their number. They play a style that I don't think the Ravens are used to. Uh, But then again, the Ravens are playing really, really well right now. What's your take with them maybe being inside the Ravens' head? Well, you know what? We can go back to the first game this season. That game, could it could have went either way. Um, You know, of course, it went went to overtime, and then Derek was able to cap it off with that long run. So I don't think that they're in the Ravens' head. I think they kind of got to them a little under their skin when they went down to Baltimore and kind of stomped on the logo and it got Coach Harbaugh really mad. So I think when uh, they get to Tennessee, they they know they got a little uh, probably a little incentive to uh, probably want to rub it in this game. So it's going to be a well-fought game this Sunday, I can tell you that much. Denard, this is the most yards in franchise history this team set. Second most points in franchise history. First team ever with a 2,000-yard rusher, a 3,500-yard passer. Nobody could stop Derrick Henry. I get it. But do you stack the box against him? You're a defensive guy, right? Do you stack the box? Because Tannehill has shown if you do that, we could beat you. Yeah, well, that's that's what a lot of teams – they. What happens is, is when you stack the box, unfortunately, you you will have uh, that creates uh, a mismatch on the uh, perimeter. So we got a Pro Bowl receiver in AJ Brown, and of course Corey Davis. To me, he's had a great year. He's put himself in position uh, to make a lot of money when free agency starts. So the question for most teams is, do you stack the box, and then do you leave it up to your corners and your safeties to be able to match up with this team on the perimeter? And if you can do that, I mean, we saw teams like uh, Cleveland, Cincinnati was able to do it, Minnesota for the most part. Uh, if you can do that, then that will give your uh, defense a chance to win. But, again, if if those guys get going on the edges, we saw what happened is vice versa. It allows the running game to get going. So, you know, it just it depends. It just depends on what's Coach Martindale, what he's feeling that day. And, and if they decide to do that, then, again, you got to make sure that your guys on the perimeters are able to cover our receivers. Denard, call me crazy, but I'm throwing early, and here's why I'm throwing early. I'm throwing early not because of of just Tannehill to Brown, and and, uh, I mean, they do look good when Davis looks fantastic. Not only because of that, but because if there is one Achilles heel to Lamar Jackson and this Baltimore team, it is simply this. They can't come from behind. You go back and you look at their style and everything that every graphic that sees, every statistic that's there says they can't come from behind. I don't mind going up top early and then pounding them with Henry Lee. Am I crazy for going away from my biggest weapon? No, no, because you know what? Tennessee has that problem, too. You know, they're known if they get up on you early, then what they're able to do is to kind of pound you. And and one thing this team has shown all year is that when they start fast, they usually end. It ends pretty well. But when they start slow, 
again, we saw that last week uh, in Houston. Houston almost had a chance to pull that game out. It usually is something that goes wrong somewhere in the middle of that game. Um, and Baltimore is the same way. I, I feel like these two teams are identical. You know, it's, they know each other quite well. They played each other the last few years. What is this going to be the third meeting in two years? So what both teams want to do early is basically they want to start fast. You know, I look at if I'm Baltimore and if I, if I get a chance to get on that field on the first possession, I want to set the tone early on Tennessee. Like, listen, you know, this is how it's going to be all day and vice versa. That's what every team wants to do. But I feel like whoever starts, whoever starts fast, they get going and they're able to generate some momentum and make plays early. That's pretty much who's going to win this game Sunday. Here's the problem. And we are talking with, the host of the Believe in the Titans of the Believe Podcast Network, Denard Walker, former NFL DB, played in the Super Bowl for the Titans and played for the Oilers as well. I love that, by the way. They're the old Oiler uniforms are the coolest uniforms. Uh, but let me ask you, because there is a flip side to this year. Denard finished 30th in the NFL with 19 sacks. That's the fewest by a playoff team since 1979. The Titans flat out can't get it done on defense, and they can't create pressure. Now, with a running team like Baltimore, maybe that's not on display enough or as much as it needs to be, but it's still a concern. How do you artificially create pressure? Because you can't win if you're just letting even Lamar Jackson sit back there and throw. Well, you know what? They have to do like they did last time. I, I thought they did a pretty good job in the first game against Baltimore this, uh, this year. It was a week 11, I think November the 22nd. And what they, they knew that, listen, when you try to pressure Lamar, if you can't move him side to side, I mean, excuse me, if you can move him side to side, it gives your defense an advantage. And what I mean by that, if Lamar is able to step up in the pocket and he finds a crease to run, he's gone. You know, that's his game. He's one of the most dangerous quarterbacks in the league doing that. I thought what they were able to do is they were able to get a lot of pressure on him last time, but what they wanted to do is make him go laterally, and they felt like that's what gave them a best, better, you know, a really good chance to win that game, and I feel like that's what they, that's how they end up winning, um, and I think that's where the momentum shifted on our side of the ball, and so what they got to do this week is to make sure that number eight don't beat them, and what you do is you make sure you close off the lanes because if he finds a lane to run, if there's nothing open downfield, you know, it, it can be lights out. That's on any defense. And, we, yeah, we've taken a lot of hits this year because we went last and getting off on third downs. This defense has heard it. They've heard about the sacks. I feel like this defense for Tennessee, they're going to show up Sunday because they have a lot to prove. They didn't play well uh, against the Texans. Um, basically, they played well in the first half, but the second half they gave up too many points, too many explosive plays. And that is a cause of, for concern if you might Vrabel. But I believe that when this defense is – when they're kind of put to the test, you know, they seem to find a way to respond. And I love their resilience um, that they've showed throughout the course of the season. When things are not going well, they have a tendency, you know, to step up at a pivotal time in the game. And I think that's why this team is – you know, they won the AFC South this year, and they're getting a chance to host a playoff game uh, for the first time in a, in a while. You know, you play DB, and playing defensive back against a quarterback that isn't known to be able to throw the ball, okay? I, I know he, he's got a, an arm when he needs to, but he doesn't do it often. How do you go into a game plan like that? Do you say, you know what, I'm just going to kind of take my guy away? Or do you maybe look in every now and then, and maybe you're leaning a little bit? Maybe you give the, the wide receiver a little bit more space because you do know that he does struggle with that. How do you approach a quarterback that really can't get it downfield? Well... You know what? It was a year ago he was the MVP of the National Football League. Amazing, hey, right? This guy, <laughs> yeah, he, he, let me tell you something. When you're the NFL MVP, man, you, you can do it all. I think he's underrated in a passing game. and You know, he didn't win the Heisman Trophy at Louisville for nothing. The guy is one of the best, you know, and I say this all the time. No, he's not known for uh, throwing the ball. You know, he's not going to put up some huge numbers. But he can beat you in a passing game. You know, he's that kind of a quarterback. He is a dynamic player. And he can change the course of a game at any time. And that's how dangerous Lamar is. You always have to account for number eight anytime you step on the field. I, I had a chance to play with the great number nine, Steve McNair. And I would tell teams all the time, you know, he wasn't necessarily known, that, you know, he didn't have the prettiest balls or People question his accuracy. Well, yeah, you can question that all you want, but that was he led a team that went 26 and six over two seasons and one Super Bowl appearance and one, you know, divisional championship. I mean, divisional playoff game, which we lost to Baltimore. 
So that's the thing about Lamar. He can change a game in a heartbeat. I think so many times we look at so-called running quarterbacks and we just label them as just guys that are, just hurt you with their, their feet. He's not like that. He can do it all. And I go back to the game against Tennessee, uh, you know, uh, in November. I mean, he made some great throws. It's just that our safeties, our secondary, Monty Hooker in particular, he played well and, and, and made some key plays at some pivotal uh, times in the game. So, again, you always have to count. Everything starts and it ends with number eight. And so that's, that is the main focus for Tennessee this week is you got to stop number eight. Yeah, you got to stop him, but I'll tell you, man, Dobbins looks good also and that running game is just electric. Let me ask you about you mentioned Vrabel. What about the coaches? Right? Um, Vrabel seems like the guy that gives you the edge, but Harbaugh's on the other side as well. I don't see a huge coaching discrepancy. I don't think either one of these coaches is going to kind of get a one-up on each other. Do you see anything that Vrabel could take advantage of? No, you know why? Because these teams have played each other. Uh, what this is going to be their third meeting in the last two years, so they know each other. There's nothing new that they can put in the game plan. You know, it's kind of like when you play a team in your division. You know that team inside and out. You know, and vice versa. That team knows you. It just it's going to come a time where you just got to go and get it. And that's what the playoffs is all about, especially when these two two teams meet. You know, there's nothing right now that they can implement in the game plan that Baltimore, you know, they haven't already seen and vice versa. So what they got to do is basically just go into this game and say, listen, we got to go get it. That's the way it is in playoff time. I think the speed, it picks up, the intensity picks up. And as that happens, you got to make sure that you can, as a team, as a player, uh, you, you got to make sure that you stay within yourself. Don't try to do too much. And stick with what's gotten you there. Don't try to change a thing. And I think if both coaches can approach it like that, then it'll give, you know, that's where, that's where the advantage is to me. Uh, that's where you gain the advantage is not trying to change or not trying to do too much. Stay within your comfort zone. And if both teams will do that, it's going to give, you know, we'll see Sunday who's going to win. I'll just say it like that. Well, since you threw it out like that, let me ask you, who do you have winning this Sunday? Well, you know what? It, it's hard to beat a team. Uh, three times in two years. I just don't see it. I I got a gut feeling that number eight um, right now, I think Lamar, this is a game that he, it's not a must win, but I think he wants to get the critics off his back. You know, he's won the NFL MVP. You know, he's shown people that he's not just a uh, quarterback that can run. He's He's not one dimensional. He is as talented as it gets in this league. He is as good as it there is. And I think this is going to be a statement game for him to show the critics that I can win a playoff game. And what better way uh, than to go down to Nashville to the team that's basically last year derail your chances of getting to the Super Bowl. You know, I wouldn't say it's a revenge game, but this is a statement game for the Baltimore Ravens. So I do got Baltimore actually going into Nashville and winning that game Sunday. I was not expecting that answer from you. I, I, I like the honesty, though. Denard, you've given us a lot of time. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Guys, it's Denard Walker. Go check him out. Host in the Believe in the Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. Again, defensive back. He played with the Titans. He wore those beautiful Oiler jerseys. Started in the Super Bowl. And I'm going to leave you guys with this about this game, okay? Because I know it's a very tight number. Here's what I'm going to leave you with. Ryan Tannehill has had 26 regular season starts with the Tennessee Titans. That's what he's had. The over is hit 21 times out of his 26 starts. You heard me talking about the deficiency of the defense. This is a large number. 55 is a big number for two running teams, but it's a big number for a reason. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. We'll be right back right after this on Wagering Week. This is Doc Holliday, co-host of the Believe in Rams podcast with Pro Football Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce, and you're listening to Wagering Week with my guy, my homie, Tom Barton. Welcome back, everybody. Wagering Week here. My biggest bet of the year that I gave you guys, my hugest bet, and I called it when I did it. I said Pittsburgh's going to make the playoffs. You could get plus 105. I gave you guys that. Last week, I said, I don't care that they're missing Big Ben. I like Pittsburgh. Give me the points. I gave you that one. Well, I'm tempted to do it again this week, and I'm going, maybe I'm just drinking the Pittsburgh juice a little bit. So I'm going to bring on a Pittsburgh expert, our friend in front of the show, Josh Taylor from CBS Pittsburgh. Catch him over on Twitter. 
Twitter at Josh Taylor HD. Josh, welcome to the show, my man. Tom, you always good to talk to you, brother. Appreciate you. I uh, I'm loving the Pittsburgh uh, thing here, man. I I had him to go to the playoffs. I had him to win the division. I had I had all kinds of things. I got T.J. Watt to win Defensive Player of the Year. I got it all. And now I got to kind of take a step back here, right? I got to take a step back and go, okay, it's a new animal. It's the wild card. Uh, This is the first time the AFC North has had three teams with 11 wins. First time in NFL history anybody's had that. So let me start off by just saying, what's the feeling like in Pittsburgh? Because it was a roller coaster. People were loving them when they were undefeated. Then they took the downturn. Did last week's loss kind of encourage them? I think so. I think there are a lot of people that saw last week's loss as somewhat of a win because we saw Mason Rudolph take this offense this past week against Cleveland and be successful down the field. He threw for over 300 yards, a couple touchdowns, and a pick. He actually orchestrated the offense well. We saw some semblance of a running game. We saw this offense actually function in a way that I think Pittsburgh fans have been looking for for the past month or so. And we finally saw that. Now, granted, we saw two quarters of it against Indianapolis after that first half that pretty much freaked everybody out and had people pushing the doomsday button, present company included. But to see what we saw last week against Cleveland, and that is despite not having Ben Roethlisberger, Marquise Pouncey did not play. To see that happening with this offense and with Mason Rudolph, a guy that a lot of people here still aren't sold on as their backup quarterback or maybe even the quarterback of the future. But to see him come in, direct that offense, and do as well as he did, I think that was encouraging for some people. I thought the fact that the defense was able to at least keep them in the game later on, even though they were trailing and trying to come back without T.J. Watt, without Cam Hayward, without Joe Hayden, I thought that made a lot of impression on people too. So I think – People are looking at that loss to Cleveland saying, hey, they lost by two points, missing all these guys, and the backup quarterback almost leading a comeback to almost hide the game on a failed two-point conversion attempt, which some people could claim there was defensive pass interference called. If you want to take that route, I won't debate with you. But overall, taking all that into account, I think the mood was pretty much positive, also considering the fact that Cleveland now has to come back to Pittsburgh for a playoff matchup, a place where they lost by 31 points when Pittsburgh had their starters about a month ago. So, yeah, I think the mood is positive here. Yeah, I would think so. As far as the pass interference call, look, I had a boatload of points. I wasn't money lining that, so I wasn't paying that close attention. They got it. I said, go you for two. Both. Get it or not, don't worry about it. I love the points. All right, Josh, uh, I don't want to bury the lead. And as much as we have to talk about it, I want to talk to you for a little bit here. But the lead is this. No Kevin Stefanski on the sideline. They're missing two assistants. They're missing offensive linemen. COVID has wreaked havoc here for the Browns. We were hoping that it would get past the playoffs, and all of a sudden, you know what? Nobody would be affected. It touched things here and there. I think this is a massive, massive blow to this team, losing Stefanski. What do you think? I agree. I I don't see how this team, given everything they dealt with, now bear in mind, they had to play last week's game without their facility open for like three days in a row. And still went and played that game because they had to do everything remotely. Now you have to try to do everything knowing that your coach, who's going to help you probably put everything together remotely, he's not even going to be there on the sideline now, and two other guys won't either. So now you got to try to put a patchwork coaching staff together. While you were dealing with all this other stuff, having some guys that aren't there, it's really hard to imagine with all of that adding up how this team could possibly, possibly try to put this all together and make it work some kind of way. And not only that, look, Kevin Stavansky, for those that maybe not paying that close attention this year, there was most people going, you know what, he's going to win He's going to win coach of the year. I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about. And he also runs an offense, Josh, that – is very rhythmic, right? You you have to kind of have a feel for the game, the way that he runs it. You see Mayfield throwing for 300 yards two weeks in a row, and then they go back and they start running, and they got to run to the left, run to the right. Oh, well, this guy's not... It's very much hands-on. This isn't a kind of situation where you could be up in the press box. I don't even think he's allowed in the building. Am I right? I think that would be fair. I mean, we've had the building was shut down when they had another positive case or a couple other positive cases. So I imagine that's the same protocol they're following considering the fact that they had players and assistants test positive before last week's game. So I, I imagine that hasn't changed. And like you said, it does make it more complicated when you have a coach like Kevin Stefanski who has been really, really good. And I'm willing to tip my hat for that. I think Cleveland's offense has been out uh, really underrated in its efficiency. Because if they find they need to run the ball, they have two guys they can run the ball with and be efficient with it. If they need to throw it, they got a couple of receivers that can make plays and two really good tight ends in the Joku and Hooper, by the way, 
that they can use in order to do that. And more importantly, they can use those tight ends in play action if the run game works well. And they've been able to do that very successfully. So you're right. I think they have a little bit of everything that they need to execute whatever needs to be done. And I think that's what makes them dangerous. So when you lose that element of a coach who's been really, really, you know, good at finding out what works at the right time, and now that guy's not there, it eliminates a little bit that ability to see it in real time and maybe make those adjustments. You know, as much as the coach being out hurts, talk to me about the offensive line missing key players now going up against this Pittsburgh D. You can't lose Joel Petonio in this game. Not when you're facing a guy like Cameron Hayward, who's coming off of another Pro Bowl season and pretty much is in the renaissance of his career right now. Not when you have to face a a defensive uh, front that gets T.J. Watt back. And like you said, pretty much the prohibitive favorite for defensive player of the year at this point. I don't think it's close. You got to deal with those two guys. And plus, on the other side, oh, by the way, the other defensive end is Stephon Tuitt. He's got double-digit sacks. You can't afford to lose your best interior lineman against this defense. And that's not even counting the fact that Bud Dupree's replacement, Alex Highsmith, might have had the best game of his rookie season against Cleveland last week, and he looked really good. So now you have to figure out how are we going to stop all four of these guys when they're coming at you and you don't have your best bodies on the field. It's going to be difficult. We're on the phone with Josh Taylor, CBS Pittsburgh. Uh, Josh, look, you said no no Joe Petonio, and you mentioned a lot of pass rushers here. What about the run game, though? I mean, this guy grades out uh, in the top half of the league at the run, in the, the, protecting the run, and you look at it and you go, okay, sure, you could get to Baker Mayfield, but what if they just run it down your throat? Well, they're running behind him. I think he hurts as much in the run game, or his absence hurts them as much in the run game as it does in the pass protection. You're absolutely right, and the Steelers have a guy who, make the run, who makes the run game even more complicated. I want to say the last time you and I talked, we talked about Tyson Aluwalu and how good he is at that nose position against the run. So if Cleveland goes to their base and Tyson Aluwalu is on the field and Joel Petonio can't be there to help neutralize him, that makes the job even harder in the run game. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I wonder what they're going to attack here. Because if you're Cleveland, you got to make a pretty conscious effort. Do we kind of run away from that position? Do we kind of go to the air a little bit more and hope that, that Mayfield could scramble around? What do you think they're going to attack? If I'm Cleveland, I'm trying to find ways to move the pocket for Baker Mayfield. I'm hoping to at least find some success running the ball to the outside. You might be able to find some success if you're running it outside in Alex Highsmith's direction because he's still young. I mean, he's still learning his way. He made a couple good plays in the run game last week, but he might be the side that you want to work to go to that side of the field. And after that, use that to set up play action. Maybe set up those tight ends over the middle because Pittsburgh is down to a couple middle linebackers. They do six different guys at inside linebacker this season. They've had some issues there. They're getting Vince Williams back, which is good. You're going to have Avery Williamson, which is good. You could have Robert Spillane back. He's practicing this week. That's good for Pittsburgh. But if you're Cleveland, you want to try to manipulate the middle of the field with your tight ends and maybe try to go outside, maybe take a couple deep shots. If Joe Hayden does not play for Pittsburgh after testing testing positive last week, that's an opportunity for your receivers to make plays downfield. So that's what I'm thinking. Run to the outside, set up play action over the middle, maybe a deep shot or two down the field if you get one-on-one on the outside. That's got to be the recipe for Cleveland. Josh, we got to take a quick timeout. Come on back um, after the timeout. I want to stick with you because I, I want to talk to you about Big Ben and his time off. Guys, this line opened at three and a half. Obviously, the COVID issue pushed this to six. But something interesting about this betting line here, the total stayed at 47 or 47 and a half. It has not gone anywhere. So you take away an offensive-minded coach. You take away their head coach off the sideline. Take away an offensive lineman. And the line and the total didn't move. Didn't move at all. We'll talk about that and more with Josh Taylor right after this on Wagering Week. I'm Gary Myers, the host of the podcast, the coach, Tom Brady, and you're listening to Tom Barton on the Sports Garden Network. Tom Barton here with CBS Pittsburgh's Josh Taylor. Go check him out on Twitter. It's at Josh Taylor HD. Josh, we've been heaping a lot of praise on Pittsburgh, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, I'm a guy that keeps betting Pittsburgh. You're a guy that works with Pittsburgh. I, I get it. I get it. We're going to be called, uh, you know, that that kind of group. But let's also talk about some of the negatives because Ben Roethlisberger missed last week, and that was a maintenance. Oh, give the give the old man some rest. But underlying. There's an injury there, isn't there? Now, I don't know if it's going to carry over. That's why I'm asking you. But let's not forget that there was an injury there. Yeah, there was a leg injury. Uh, There was a knee injury. I believe it happened during the Dallas game. And I think what we saw afterwards during those few weeks that followed was the result of that. I talked about this 
um, at one point, I believe it was on our one of our talk shows on Pittsburgh CW, the uh, nightly sports call, that I believe that this offense, the way it had been structured for a few weeks, probably going into that Indianapolis game, it felt more like that offense was structured to keep Ben Roethlisberger insulated and keep him upright to keep him from getting hit. The way they were delivering the ball so fast and the short you know, the short routes and you know the, the timed passing, it was so West Coast offense-esque that it looked like it was just meant to be timing, get the ball out quickly, and keep Ben from getting touched. And from that perspective, it actually worked because he didn't get sacked a lot. I think he got sacked 10 times all season, which is a career low for him. For that, in that perspective, it's good. The problem was defenses had actually adjusted to the short route running and made it harder to be successful in that short passing game. So they had to try to do that to survive a couple weeks until maybe Ben felt a little bit better. Then against Indianapolis, they realized, hey, look, we're going to have to take deep shots and hope they work. And if it does, maybe that opens up the passing game, and then it opens up that short game. And sure enough, it did. That deep hit to Deontay Johnson in the second half in Indianapolis worked. That opened up the passing game. That opened up the running game, and that allowed them to get out of that game with Indianapolis and come back and get that win. But it also opened up the opportunity to win their division, sew it up so they didn't have to play Ben against Cleveland. He gets a week off. He doesn't practice. He doesn't even travel to Cleveland for that game. He gets to relax. That leg gets complete rest. And now he gets a normal week of practice to come in and be closer to full strength to play against Cleveland. And I think that makes a big difference for him. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Do you think that he got the rest that he needed? Was it just a, a matter of rest? Or is this something that's going to he's going to kind of have to deal with and just linger? I think it's something he's going to have to deal with. It probably is lingering. Remember, he's 38 years old. And when you're 38 years old, I'm 39. I wake up with things hurting for no reason. So when you have big, strong, grown men slamming into you on purpose, you're going to wake up with the makes and pain. So I imagine that's something that probably could linger, especially considering his age. But it's also a situation where that rest helps him maybe mitigate that a bit and prepare a little bit more, get those legs maybe rubbed down and, and get, some, get some of those good meds and get them all dulled out and, and, and rested up and ready to go. And I imagine there's going to be some work done during the week to make sure his legs are actually ready to go. Because when you're a quarterback, that requires your arm to make some plays downfield. You got to have that base. You got to set that front leg and let the hips do some of the work to get that ball out. And it's really important for Ben Roethlisberger to not only get that rest, but to be ready to go when they need him the most in the playoffs. Josh, you mentioned you're almost 40. I'm a little over 40 here myself. And I'm going, I have a hard time backing a playoff team that can't run the football. And right now I look at this Pittsburgh team and I go, I don't think they can run the football. Tell me why I should just say, you know what? I think they're going to find it. They're going to be able to run it. Or does it really matter? Am I just living in the 80s, man? I'll give you two words as to why you should be a little bit optimistic about them running the football. Kevin Dotson, rookie offensive lineman. They got him in the fourth round. He is a dedicated run mauler. He's really good at blocking. And when he's gotten the opportunity, he's set the edge really well. And he's been able to open up holes for Pittsburgh to actually run the football. So I think that's the reason why you do feel optimistic about it. He's practicing this week. Matt Seiler, who's one of their starting five, he's practicing also this week. If there's a reason you feel confident about their ability to run the football, it's the health on the offensive line. And I think Kevin Dotson, if he plays, will have a lot to do with that as far as helping the run game. Josh, I've talked for a couple of weeks now um, about Big Ben and his just absolute ownership of the Cleveland Browns. Since Tomlin became coach, the Browns are 0-14 in this building, right? Nine double-digit losses out of those 14 wins. They don't beat the Browns. They crush the Browns. And Ben's success against the Browns, you know, everybody kind of pushes it aside, especially in a sports betting world. They go, oh, you know, it doesn't matter what happened 10 years ago, completely different team. No, you're right. But we're also talking about Tom Brady, who's going, man, I wasn't picked in the first round, so I'm going to hold that chip on my shoulder. Well, Ben holds a chip against Cleveland. Do you think this is a mental thing that really is something that we should pay attention to, that Ben just beats Cleveland, or the other way around, Cleveland just can't beat Ben? I think it lingers. I think it's in the back of people's minds. i got to remind people of something. Just maybe a month or two ago, uh, Baker Mayfield finally, finally surpassed Ben Roethlisberger as the winningest quarterback at First Energy Stadium. Think about that. Baker Mayfield had to surpass his rival team's quarterback, not his own team's former quarterback, his rival team's quarterback is the winningest guy at his own stadium. So, yeah, I think that kind of lingers. I think it's in the back of their mind. Hey, we haven't beaten this guy yet. So, yeah, there's going to be something there that until they do it, you're going to have to resign yourself to the fact that we haven't beaten this guy yet. For some odd reason, we can't find a way to do it. 
if I'm Cleveland, I'm trying to use that as motivation. If I'm part of their defense and you got Miles Garrett, you'd be stupid not to. But, yeah, I think it does linger to a degree. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you used that as motivation or you brought that up because I was going to say that. Does this Stefanski stuff and the fact that it's in Pittsburgh and the fact that it's against Ben and the fact that it's against, you know, Mason Rudolph and that whole thing, does this start to get into Cleveland's mindset of it's us against the world? Look, COVID took our coach away. We lost offensive line. We lost this. We lost that. We're against the guy we can't beat in the place we can't do it. Does it scare you a little bit as a Pittsburgh fan going, wow, they really do have that secondary gear here just because it is? it does seem like the kitchen sink has been thrown at them? I think as a Pittsburgh fan, you, you might entertain it. Maybe you don't take it as seriously as a guy who covers this team has covered them for the past six seasons. I expect it from Cleveland. If you know what this rivalry is, especially in the past year, you know that there's a lot of motivation there. Just look at the way they actually celebrated after winning this past game to get in the playoffs. They got into the playoffs. They've been the first time in 18 years, and they beat the team that they could hardly ever beat in December to do it. So you know that's going to be some source of motivation for them. And now they have to get over that hump winning a playoff game by facing the last team they faced in the playoffs that beat them at the same stadium they're going to face them on Sunday night, yeah, you're going to need some motivation there. You're going to have to try to find a way to remind yourself, hey, we're playing with house money. We got history against us and everything else against us. So if you're Cleveland, if they didn't do it, I'd be stunned, honestly. That's something that they're going to have to use because they've used it for the most part already. They had to use it to get the win this past week, so why not keep it rolling? So will it work, Josh, or is this – uh, you know, it, my way of just asking you, what's the prediction for the game, Josh Taylor? Uh, it'd be interesting story if it worked. However, styles still make fights. I don't think Cleveland is equipped enough to take Pittsburgh's best punch. I think they'll have the motivation that they need going into this game. But I think you need Jimmy's and Joe's to win it. Pittsburgh has more. They have the better quarterback. They have more at their disposal. They have their entire coaching staff. I think all of that will work to their advantage. I still think the Steelers win this game at home, probably by a couple possessions. You can't hear me smiling, but I am. Josh Taylor, CBS <laughs> Pittsburgh. Um, let me ask you, how far do they go? Right? I mean, how far How far can this Pittsburgh team go? Did they write the ship enough that you're saying maybe Super Bowl? Are you going, you know what, we can get to, to the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers against Kansas City Chiefs that we were thinking about a couple of weeks ago. Where's the deadline for this team? It depends on who wins around them in the first round. You have a possibility of facing Indianapolis, Tennessee, and Buffalo in the second round. They've beaten Tennessee already on the road. They beat Indianapolis at home. They could not beat Buffalo in Buffalo. And if that comes to it where the chalk wins in the first round, they're going to have to go see Buffalo again. And I don't know if they come out of it still alive. So I, I think it comes down to who they end up facing and how this first round goes around them. Josh, I lied. I have one more question. <laughs> and we're talking to Josh Taylor, CBS Pittsburgh. Uh, what is the fan status in the game? Uh, are they allowing uh, a, a small capacity? Are they allowing how many people into the game? What's uh, the tailgating like? What is it? Good, the atmosphere going to be like? They are allowing fans. It's a limited number. That was something they announced a couple weeks ago. I actually remember anchoring and, and reading the story about it and reporting that story. But the ownership has anticipated letting some fans in the game. It was all depending upon whether or not the COVID restrictions within Allegheny County would be lifted as of January 4th. That was the deadline. They were not extended. Once they found out they would not be extended, it was kind of like a late holiday present. They found out, okay, we're going to have fans back at the game again. So, yes, they will be there. They will probably play Renegade. There will be some terrible towels swirling in the crowd. I'd, I'd expect as much. Josh, fantastic work. I know that I always say CBS Pittsburgh, right? And I gave out your Twitter, at Josh Taylor HD. But you said P- Pittsburgh, CW Sports Nightly. Where else can we find you? Um, That's pretty much it these days. Um, granted, CBS Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh CW is one of our sister stations. We do a lot of work between the two things. So, but for the most part, CBS Pittsburgh is the best place you can find me. That sounds good. Thank you again, Josh. We will have you on if Pittsburgh advances. If not... Uh, we'll talk to you during pirate season. <laughs> Thank you very much, Josh Taylor. Go check him out, everybody. Yeah, look, I don't know if I can remember in recent memory a just a complete kitchen sink being thrown at a team before a playoff game. I, I mean, forget about the, the COVID stuff, which we've never entered this kind of territory where a coach is out, assistants are out, uh, offensive linemen out. But the mental idea that they've never beaten Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. The idea that Ben Roethlisberger is 24-2 and against I mean, he doesn't lose. You just have things that just don't happen. And I get it. 
in a sports betting environment. What happened 15, 20 years ago has no bearing on today. But it's still a ridiculous thing to say Ben Roethlisberger doesn't lose to this team. They've never won in the stadium. Tomlin doesn't lose here. Baker Mayfield, well, you know what? Oh, you had something good going for you? We're going to take away your receiver. We're going to take away your head coach, a couple of assistants, a couple of offensive linemen. Oh, oh, and by the way, here's the team that you got into a battle with when Miles Garrett got suspended. And then last week, you barely beat a beat-up, banged-up team uh, to get into the playoffs. And your reward? Oh, you get to beat this team. I mean, I'm with Josh Taylor, man. It is a massive uphill battle. But there is that piece of me that goes, this is motivation. They are using this and saying that some teams go, it's us against the world. No, no, no. This is really them against the world. Well, if that wasn't enough information for you, wild card weekend, we also have a national championship game on Monday. That's a little bit into the future. But now let's bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Bet to the future. Well, bet to the future. If you guys had Devontae Smith, he was 100 to 1 to win the Heisman. Well, bet to the future. I have Heisman odds for next year. That's right. Spencer Rattler comes in as the leading favorite, plus 285. Bryce Young, plus 385. Sam Howell out of UNC, 7 to 1. De'Ara King, Miami, 11 to 1. JT Daniels, 16 to 1. Jaden Daniels, not to be confused, 18 to 1. Kellen Mond, 18 to 1. And it goes from there. Some interesting guys. Matt Corral is 40 to 1. Bo Nix is 40 to 1. And so on and so forth. Uh, I would say I would. I would steer away from betting the Heisman right now. Uh, although, look, people that just uh, banked on Smith at 100 to 1. There was a guy, I said, who's doing There was a guy that bet 500 bucks. He won almost $25,000, uh, which was absolutely crazy. Uh, he, he did a little bit later. So that is bet to the future. We're talking a little bit about college football. I, I know this is a wild card weekend, but we do have a national championship game. The thing about college football is that at this time, a lot of people check out. doesn't matter. You can still make some money. Alabama, I talked about it, they're seven and a half, eight point favorite or so. The total is set to a point, it's in historic highs. I can't touch it because it's so high. And if you're taking Alabama, who I think wins the game, if you're taking Alabama, you have to assume that they're going to get to 50 points. That's a lot to ask. So what I'm doing with this game is this. I'm going to be sly. I'm going to be cute. I want to have a little action on this game. I'm not going to put a lot. I don't love the over, and you can't get me to bet the under, and I don't love Alabama minus the touchdown or more, uh, you know, even though I think they're going to win. I'm not going to go pay the premium price to go with them and do a teaser or anything like that or a money line. I'm going to do something very simple. Take an Alabama team total over. That's it. I think it's going to be a good game. I can see Ohio State winning. I think Alabama's the better team, the better offense. I think that they do win the game, but it's a tough line. Look, national championship game. The lines makers, they got it right. That's kind of what you expect, right? All right. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the Wild Card weekend. Enjoy the championship game. We'll talk next week. I'm Tom Bard for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.